and welcome to this week's edition of Let's Have a Breakdown with me, Harry Acton. And me, Ali Monjak. Well, good afternoon, Ali. How are you this fine day? Um, I'm good, Harry. I'm really, really good. Do you know what? I, I'm actually considering sorting out the Christmas tree today. Do you know what? I, I hate to say this, but I think you're a, a little bit behind, Ali. I mean, we've got our Christmas tree no, up in my house along with the it, lights. Harry. <laughs> <laughs> We are we are getting through December at a rate, you know. But before by the time we get to to Christmas, it's gonna it's gonna feel like it's whizzed by. So I thought, you know what? Let's just get everything up a bit earlier. Bit of yeah. light in the darkness. Or they're saying that the darkness of of COVID is starting to disappear, isn't it? Which is good. We've had a well, good week. We have, and you know, on the way from Belgium this week, some Pfizer trucks arrived in the UK, making the UK. The very first country to approve a vaccine, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, giving the green light for the vaccine vaccination rather process to go ahead. And it's it's great to see this happen. And I, I do find the headline, the very first country, a bit baffling because, of course, China and Russia have been vaccinating people, haven't they? So I think we're the, the first country to use a internationally recognised vaccine. Perhaps yes. might be the key key acknowledgement here. Um, but yes, the NHS, there's 50 hospitals and sites in England that have been set up to become not vaccinate. Well, yeah, vaccination hubs, t- to be honest. You know, they're still going to do routine services. But yeah, it looks like the NHS is ready to go potentially from Tuesday, which is bonkers. But it, it, is, is, it is this bonkers. light at the end of the tunnel. It is the light at the end of the tunnel, Harry. So this is this is going to happen. Apparently, it's twenty-one days wait. Though you have your first administered vaccine, and then twenty-one days later, you have a di- another dose to top it mm. up. The biggest, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of logistics, obviously, that surround this, and one of the biggest problems is storing the vaccine. So it has been said. Uh, that it probably won't be very easy to start vaccinating in care homes and that probably hospitals are the best environment to start vaccinating patients. Yes, yes, absolutely. And again, it's it's due to the storage. Um, at the end of the day, this vaccine requires some quite extreme temperatures to, to stay safe to use at the end of the day. So, you know, it's good that the government's getting on with it. As I said, we are the first country to approve the use of this vaccine. And, you know, even the Labour government is, it seems supportive of the Conservative government's move here in the UK. Um, of course, we've seen Sakir Starmer call on the government in recent days to apply a cross-party approach to communication on the vaccine. Um, and he also was talking about finding those who spread life-threatening disinformation about vaccines, something which we talked about in our last podcast, didn't we, Ali? Vaccine yes, disinformation, we anyway. we did, and there is a lot of vaccine misinformation. I mean, somebody I just spoke to, um, a, a dear friend of mine I just spoke to today, actually, uh, was saying that, you know, he would rather have AstraZeneca than he would have Pfizer. And... Mm. You know, I mean, if if Pfizer is ready and available and you're in a high risk group, I mean, surely you would go with that uh, rather than waiting for for AstraZeneca. So, 
You know? Yeah, you should if if it's available. Again, it's 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 free at the point of use. You don't you don't get, have to pay for this vaccine. You know, the government is rolling it out to everyone and anyone. Um, of course, those in different age groups and vulnerabilities will get the vaccine at different times. So, in theory, what is going to happen is we'll see care home and care home staff, residents and staff, I should say, getting vaccinated first. But as you mentioned, Ali hospitals are being the main kind of vaccination hubs so how this is going to happen we'll see but apparently that is the group that's going to be vaccinated first it'll then be followed yeah, by the nhs, NHS staff, staff won't it as well and, yes yeah. and Ditto. apparently <laughs> yeah i mean there may be people going for outpatient appointments we're hearing different things but it should be and then be the over 80s the over 70s the over 60s then people aged 16 to 64 with um underlying health conditions which make them more vulnerable and then i believe the over 50s and then general population again that is just rumors that i'm reading online i don't have any certainty about that but that is kind of a gist we're getting so yeah i mean the the, the biggest problem as we said with the vaccine and not that i'm trying to put problems or obstacles in the way is the fact that it has to be stored at like 90 Five, minus 95 or something. I think it's minus 70 something, isn't it? Minus it's, 70 it's chilly. 95, yes. Um, it's, it is very chilly, Harry. <laughs> yeah. It is a bit yeah, chilly, ma- isn't imagine it? Imagine minus 70. I mean, I've only ever experienced minus 26 uh, when I was visiting the Czech Republic a few years ago and it was so cold. I mean, I can't imagine what minus 70 must feel like. It's certainly chilly. And of course, they do defrost the vaccine before administering it for anyone who's thinking they're going to get a very cold shot in the arm. That's not the case. It does get defrosted. Um, But yeah, at the end of the day, Ali, even with all the the hurdles that we have to kind of leap over to get to this safe outcome of a vaccine, it is good news. And no matter what you think about a vaccine, it is that golden bullet. Brilliant news. Brilliant news. And, you know... Um, a, a truly fantastic Christmas present, as you say, light at the end of the tunnel. There is some controversy, however, in regards to, you know, should we just wait and hold back on Christmas? But let's just I, see what happens. Yeah, we're, 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 again, we're going to have to see what happens. The public want Christmas, don't they? So if the government says don't do Christmas, people will do it anyway. So at least try and give them some rules to follow. But again, as you said, we'll have to see what happens. And it is it is good news. And fingers crossed it takes less time than the government thinks it will. We can hope. Yes, we can hope. So let's just go across the pond as usual yeah. and check in. Well, President-elect Joe Biden will ask all Americans to wear face masks for the first 100 days of his term to stop the spread of the coronavirus. The president-elect, who has frequently emphasised mask wearing as a patriotic duty, will also order masks to be worn in all US government buildings. Go, God, big change there, Harry. Big change. Finally, um, I hate to be critical here, but finally it seems like there's some common sense that might, might end up in the White House. Face mask wearing, it is so important. And it's great to see the president-elect, you know, pushing for people to wear face masks. It's it's exciting, isn't it, really? And, you know, he says it's going to happen on his first day, isn't he? When he's inaugurated, he's going to ask the public to wear a mask. Just 100 days, not forever, he's stressed. And that's that's great news, especially with America. That is, we're hearing reports now it could be in its third wave of coronavirus in America. Cases are just... They're worryingly high in certain areas. As you were saying to me, Ali, you're off, off podcast early. We were having a chat, weren't we? And there are... 
some worrying stats coming out of America at the moment. Well, there but... are some worrying stats mm. coming out of America. And, you know, normally, uh, you know, America is, I mean, New York rather, not, not just America, but New York is full of people, you know, celebrating the start of Christmas outside the Rockefeller Center in Times Square, where you actually see pictures live from there. And it's you know, like a ghost town, mm. it really is because the infection rate has risen substantially. Um, yeah, you know. it has. No, totally. I, I, I'm just going to pick a state that, uh, Texas, for example. I'm just quickly looking up the, the details for Texas. Um, so at the moment, Texas has had roughly, I'm going to average something out here. It varies between 5,000 new infections a day and 20,000 new infections a day over the over the last couple of days in Texas. You know, it's looking like they might be going into a, into a third wave, you know, looking at the stats here. So Joe Biden's policy of mask wearing it isn't just about general safety. It's literally might be stopping potentially a fourth wave in America at this point. We are literally seeing curves in the data. So it needs to be done, Ali, doesn't it? And of course, America does want the vaccine as well, but they are taking a more cautious approach. And there was a bit of a spat, wasn't there, in recent days between the UK and the US, which has now been resolved, which was a bit, a bit of drama this week. Well, what were you mean with um, Anthony Fauci? Yeah, I mean, that yeah. there was. So, I mean, he did say that, you know, he didn't really think that the uh, the actual vi- the actual vaccine was ready, but then he did say he actually retracted his statement. Um, yes, because he, he, he said something along the line. Oh, go on, go on. Well, he did say, you know, obviously the FDA, which is the United for those people who don't know, is the United States of America Food and Drug Administration, is the gold standard of regulation, and they are doing it in a careful way, appropriately. He then kind of. Um, said that there was no judgment on the way the UK did it, but um, it is a process that takes, you know, more time than it takes in the UK um, to do with the FDA. But, you know, he since basically said that um, he did, he had acknowledged, that was the words that he'd used, that, you know, the medicines and healthcare products regulatory agency's decision is, you know, probably the right one. And they have assessed the data rigorously. So, yeah, he basically retracted what he started to say. I know he was making some sort of, I wouldn't say a joke, but along the lines of, you know, the Americans will never compromise the safety of Americans when it comes to a vaccine. Of course, trying to appease those who are anti-vaccine, Ali, I would hazard a guess at, just just from a, a point of view of an outsider. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it probably bodes well for America that we in the UK have approved the vaccine because we are seen as one of the standard setters in healthcare. You know, we've got some very big companies based in the UK. And I'm sure that Europe won't be far behind us because, of course, the European Union and us work very closely together. And, you know, I don't think it'll be long until we see this vaccine approved in lots of countries. And for America, which, you know, is starting to get pretty scary again for people, it will be another golden bullet. And, you know, the advice, as we always say, Ali, is stay home where possible, wear a mask, wash your hands, and socially distance. Yeah. And I know you're not getting that advice in America. I know it's hard because you're not getting the advice we get over here. But yeah, just well, they, do your bit. Do you know what? They are starting to get the advice over there. And and as well, you know, as we said, Mr. Biden has also asked 
Dr. Anthony Fauci to stay on in his administration. In the exact role, he's had for the past several presidents as the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. So he's the, the, the nation's top infectious disease expert. Well, I mean, I don't blame Biden. Throughout this pandemic, he has been trying to get Trump to do to do more. So I'm sure he can't wait for Biden to, to step in. Um, and I think Biden's probably made a good choice there, to be honest, Ali. So, yeah, some some good news for America there. Yeah, it's looking positive. Definitely. Again, it's a very another positive breakdown this is turning into, apart from the case numbers. But we again, we are watching that closely, our American listeners. So, yeah, yeah, we're keeping an eye. So bringing our news coverage back to Europe and more specifically the UK, just for a couple of minutes. Now, there was some quite bad news for the high street this week, wasn't there, Ali? We, we saw Debenhams, which is one of the oldest supermarket chains in the UK, and Arcadia, which is Philip Green's company, technically a sir, is Philip Green. Um, these two companies both announced administration, Debenhams for the second time, Arcadia has been pretty perilous for, for a long time now. And... You know, both these companies combined employ twenty five thousand people in the UK, and they are they have a massive presence on the high street, and it it, it could be a massive loss, couldn't it, if these both these companies collapse? It's well, basically, sad. the Debenhams has gone back into administration, hasn't it? So mm-hmm. it has. yes, so I mean, it looks like that the stores are set to close, and also uh, on the internet. I mean, people have been because of this news that I mean the sales the stuff that they're selling off um apparently there's been reports of the internet being clogged up because people just could not check out and get their shopping yeah there were there were queues of of potentially hours debenhams had to implement a virtual queuing system and you know i actually popped into debenhams the day it opened after after the news came out the day before and i popped in and i bought myself a nice pair of shoes and there was a small sale on but the actual physical 70% sale is probably going to happen in the new year. Yeah. So they kind of had their normal normal bits on. And I always think when I go into Debenhams, it's always such a pleasant experience. And it'll always be, it'll be sad if it's not there. And at one point, it was looking like Debenhams was going to be saved because JD Sports, Sports was going mm. to buy out the company. And then as soon as Arcadia collapsed, JD Sports realised that Arcadia actually has quite a few concessions in Debenhams. So it does actually account for some of Debenhams' income. Yeah, and they realised that it it wasn't viable, and they pulled out of the sale, which caused the the bank, which is effectively running Debenhams, the people who the debt Debenhams owed the money to, and are now running it. It was a saga about a year ago, wasn't it? Um, Yes. So it's all a bit of a mess, really. It is a bit of a mess, and it's sad. It's really sad. Well, it is sad. You know, I've grown up with Debenhams and Topshop Mm. and all those types of things. I mean, Debenhams must be about 126 years old or even older i think it's older and i just remember when i was younger debenhams was that was the highest building in the town where i grew up it was three stories high and it was like one of the highest buildings like tallest in my town where i grew up in the southwest and it harry it's 207 years old debenhams is it I knew yeah. it was old. I didn't know it was that old. 207 that's remarkable isn't it really it is remarkable what a shame though is a shame, but to be fair, on when I went into Debenhams, it was really busy actually because people were going in and their sales weren't really on, but people were buying things to support them. And it makes you wonder if maybe by declaring administration, people are going to fall back in love with the brand. Probably not, but you know we can always have hope, can't well, we? And you know some... what? I have to have to make. I'm not endorsing anybody, but I do like shopping in Debenhams. Mm. 
I don't I like it as well. It's, it's nice. It's always a nice experience. Never had a problem in Debenhams. More than actually in another like... quite well-known department store, which will remain <laughs> nameless. Ha-ha. When, um, I know which one you're talking about, I think. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, no, you're right. It's been quite a week. And also MPs um, have been urging Arcadia boss Sir Philip Green to help fill the £350 million pension deficit. Uh, but since that that news and the urging of that, actually Lady Green, Sir Philip's wife, has stepped in to the breach or stepped up to mm-hmm. the breach. And basically she has put in some money to, to help with the pension. £50 million, pounds, I believe, yes. to be paid in the next 10 days. £50 million, pounds, which is, you know, better than a – or better than better nothing. Better than nothing. It is better than nothing. I mean, there has been a lot of controversy surrounding this, you know, things like, well, it's all right for him sat on his boat out in uh, Monaco. Um, yes. So, but, you know, unfortunately, this is the name of the business game, isn't it, really? Mm, it is, it is. And as much as Sir Philip Green has fallen out of favour in recent years, especially after British home stores, um. It's been a very tough year for retail, and we we can all, we can blame the fact that Debenhams and Arcadia borrowed a lot of money when it was cheap to borrow, and this caught up with them. But it was completely unexpected conditions this year, and it completely threw them off. So, yeah, it's it's it. Yeah, I don't know what else to say, Ali. It's sad, isn't it? At the end of the day, well, it is sad. It it, it really is. But you know, let's. Um... Yes, let's hope somebody steps in somewhere. Yeah, a buyer is still possible. This is the key thing. They can still be bought, both of these companies. Assets, brand rights. We might well see Debenhams be an online store. You know, who knows what can happen. But we might even see Debenhams be an American store. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? But yeah, it's a bit of sad news to the high street this week. And hopefully... It'll get better. And hopefully someone will buy these these companies, hopefully Debenhams. It'd be very sad to see Debenhams go. And of course, Arcadia as well, which does include brands like Topshop and Miss Selfridge and several others. So, yeah, that's our economy segment this week. Sorry for the doom and gloom, listeners. And so, some happy news, Harry. And, you know, we don't normally have a sports section and it's not a huge sports section, but, you know, there is some great news for the return of limited numbers of fans to elite sports events and the reopening of grassroots sports, which happened this week on the 2nd of December at the end of lockdown. So fans to return in lower transmission areas with a maximum of 4,000 fans being allowed into outdoor stadiums in Tier 1 locations. Well, we don't have a lot of Tier 1 locations. And 2,000 fans in Tier 2 locations. It is is good news for sports, which... You know, especially grassroots sporting, local sporting clubs have really, really suffered through this pandemic and they haven't been given masses of support by the government. It's been very tricky for them, especially when a lot of their revenue comes through ticket income and fans. So it's really good to see the government has stepped in and realised that, you know, things can be done safely. Yes. Of course, so, as well as as well as these stadiums, of course, gyms and leisure centres are allowed to reopen um, across all tiers, which is a change from what happened before our national lockdown. Mm. And of course, 
these these figures, these four thousand, these two thousands, um, it doesn't quite mean that if a stadium can only host two thousand people, for example, um, they'll only be able to host up to fifty percent of the capacity. Well, so, I mean, you've got you know, um, I mean the the Medeski Stadium is you know. Um, John Majewski, who I (laughs) know very well, he, um, I mean, his, well, it's not his anymore because he doesn't actually own Reading Football Club. Uh, That's the Royals, by the way. So, yes, there is a football club that is named the Royals here. Um, And, you know, he has many connections, Sir John Majewski, to the Royals. Uh, So, yes, I mean, it it is... um, a, a shame because, you know, for example, as I said, the, the Medeski Stadium holds about 25,000 fans. Mm. So, so it'll be able to hold 2,000 because it's in tier two, isn't it? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, not, you know, that's yeah. not a great deal of money if you think no. about bums on seats in regards to. But I think to... the government's logic is it's better than nothing. It is. And and actually, I did catch up with uh, Sir John um, earlier on, and this is what he had to say. I believe we're going to have 2,000 fans this weekend, and the kickoff's at the early time of 12.30. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, We we drew the last game away against Sheffield Wednesday, which was not a bad result. We should have won, but I don't know, just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net. And then, of course, the previous Saturday, we uh, we beat uh, Bristol City at home 3-1. So things are looking up. We've got a great manager, a great team, and I'm sure we'll be promoted this season. Oh, Some wise words. Some wise words. Yeah, and he's very excited. You you can tell he's excited and, you know, has really high hopes for, for Reading to get back into to the Premier League, which, incidentally, the Premier League this week have also given, uh, I think it's 15 million, don't quote me on the exact amount this time, but <laughs> um, to the English Football League. So that includes the Championships. Um, and, you know, other football clubs in League One and Two, as we would understand it, is the old tier system. So um, in football, that is not not in uh, the coronavirus. So, um, so yes, yeah, so that is good news because it will help some clubs with, you know, trying to, to, to get money because it really is you have to have a lot of money to, to own a football club. You do, you do. And of course, for for any indoor sporting events, which of course, we don't have the best weather in good old Great Britain. So indoor sporting events do play quite a key part of those indoor venues. Um, In tiers one and tier two, tiers, just tier, um, they'll be able to host a maximum of 1,000 fans. It doesn't matter what tier you're in or 50% of the stadium capacity, whichever number is lower. So that is good news as well. But yeah, indoor sporting events, but of course, tier three again cannot open in tier three indoor or outdoor that is still closed in line with hospitality venues being shut but having said that harry just to add into that i mean we know that don't we on the december the 19th that the whole tier system is going to be reviewed we do and we are expecting a review but which way it goes we'll have to see will it go down to tier one or Will they put everyone up to tier three at Christmas? Who knows? We can't second guess them on that, Ali. We really can't. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But, you know, what we can do is try and spread a bit of hope, can't we? 
We can. Um, we can hope that more areas are going to tier one. I'm sure places of the southwest, the south, um, probably. I'm trying to think of other places. Uh, you know, low density areas will probably get down to tier one, but it's these high density areas that might well stay in tier two, and it makes sense too. It really does. So we'll have to see, but we can be hopeful. But personally, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> no, this is true. I have a feeling, Ali. We've we've done sport. We've done our our economy section. We've touched on America and we've talked about the vaccine. So that must leave our entertainment section, which means we've made it through the majority of this week's breakdown. There's and no it's business not like show business. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, listeners, I did not cue her up. I was not expecting that. Okay, that no. was a cracking little one of your your little puns lovely puns. Yeah. Yes, um, but of course there is some some Christmassy music news, isn't there? This week that you spied amongst all the the press releases and all the news stories. Yes. So, I mean, it, it is some rock and roll. So we've got some rock and roll Christmas music that's been released um, by a gentleman called Rich Chambers. So after getting tired of generic cutting cutter auto-tuned Christmas music that had been released over the last few wrong. years. No, no, he's it not wrong. auto-tuned. Chambers yeah. decided to dive back into the rock and roll music pantheon to produce his album Santa's Rockin' Band, which was actually released worldwide on the 30th of October with a definitive modern sensibility given to a 60s garage band sound. Santa's rocking band is definitely guitar-driven here. So there you go. There we go. A bit of, just just a bit of light news for all our listeners. I mean, you can listen to them all. Um, we're not promoting them at all. I'm not going to tell you how you can listen to them, actually. Um, but we just thought, it's a great little story to mention. There's 11 tracks in this album. It's mainly covers um, and... Yeah. Why not give it a listen if you're bored of the same old Christmas music? Yeah. I'm sure it'll be a good listen. We'll, 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 we'll confess, haven't listened to it myself, but it, it, was, it was worth mentioning, wasn't it, Ali? It, it did make us yeah, chuckle when we saw it. Definitely. It was always nice to see bit something different. Roll. Bit of rock and roll. Absolutely. We, we need a bit of get up and go music this year. Oh, do you know that um, makes me feel quite old, Harry? In my day, day, you know, we used to say uh, rock and roll. I grew up to some rock and roll music, yeah. ACDC, all that jazz, not all that jazz, but, um, you know, things like that. So Journey, you know, mm. I don't even say roll at all. It's one of those genres that spans any age group. Oh, it does. It does. It does. Definitely. It's iconic. It's iconic. But away from listening to, to watching, Ali, what's happened on The Crown this week? Can well, you give us I mean, beat? you know, I, I actually met with a girlfriend. I did take a couple of hours out this week uh, and she'd binge watched every single episode on the crown so i mean i'm trying to to be well i mean to be honest i don't really have the time to sit there and binge watch it all mm. uh but what we're up to we this week i mean the, the story between diana and prince charles is really heating up um and it? it covers oh, yeah China. it covers their trip to Australia and New Zealand and where she first of all gets a lot of attention and there mm. is actually you know a um script in Diana well a program in Diana's own words which were taped uh, were her tapes of recordings of her speaking about different experiences and 
just recently the press said, and it, it's been provided by Andrew Morton, who's a very famous royal biographer. Uh, And it does sort of, you know, you can completely draw a parallel now between Mm. the real story and supposed to be what is the dramatic story on Netflix. And actually, I hate to say this, Harry, but there doesn't look like there's really any difference. Mm. Well, there you go. I mean, again, not my royals love them, but not my cup of tea to watch it. But yeah, so bit of bit of excitement it's very real isn't it very real i do see the trailers pop up on facebook and i do watch them but that's as far as i'll go um and ali continuing our tv theme for a second christmas day is approaching and there's going to be a, a bumper day on itv i'm just singling out itv the bbc is doing stuff as well but itv actually on christmas day we're going to be getting a christmas special of good morning britain a Christmas special of Lorraine and a Christmas special of This Morning for the first time ever on Christmas Day. No idea what they've got in stock for us, but I've, yeah, ITV's definitely going the extra mile. Whether these will be live, we'll yeah. see, but I'm assuming they're pre-recorded, I'm assuming. Well, I, do you know what? I, I love Lorraine Kelly, not just because of the fact that I I actually worked with her years and years ago. Mm. Um, yeah. But, you know, and and her husband, Steve, he's he's cameraman. Um, or he was a cameraman, he's probably not now. But, uh, yeah, no, she's just got one of those fantastic personalities that, you know, doesn't matter what age you are, you, it's, she's just so relatable. Yes, no, I agree. I agree. And incredibly warm. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm probably slightly biased because of my Scottish roots, but, um, <laughs> she, yeah, yeah, she she's just an incredibly warm and you can kind of imagine, you know, going around to Lorraine's for, for Christmas dinner, so to speak. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure it would be a great morning. We felt ITV are definitely going above and beyond this December. It really feels like they're putting on a lot of stuff. And as well, we're going to see Birds of a Feather coming back for Christmas. We're going to see Ant and Deck as well on Christmas Day. The story of Saturday Morning TV is coming back with the original studio. That's really? on Boxing Day, actually. Yeah. Oh, wow. We've also got, we've got Schofield with the Cube. We've got the Chase on Christmas. We're going to have Alan Carr. We're going to have some Dancing on Thin Ice with Torville and Dean. Um, and G- Gordon, Gino and Fred doing a Christmas special as well. And Ainsley Harriet's on there. So there's a big bumper lineup on ITV this Christmas. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, and I'm sure hey, the BBC is going to arrive. then, Harry? <laughs> let's, should we have a look? Let's have a look at what the BBC yeah, yeah. is doing. Just quickly, let's have a look at the BBC. I so, thought, Christmas oh, Day on the BBC. We've got the Queen's Christmas broadcast. We've got... Can't miss that, Coco. Harry. No, I'm guessing that's a film. Strictly Come Dancing Christmas Special, Michael McIntyre's Christmas Wheel, Blankety Blank Christmas Special, Call the Midwife, EastEnders, and Mrs. Brown's Boys Christmas Special. They're the main ones that are coming out to it. Oh, Top of the Pops Christmas special as well. So, yeah, a nice arriving, let's, uh, like a schedule, to say the least. I wonder who's going to win out the ratings this year. It's always a bit of competition. Well, who knows? Who, who knows? knows? I know which one I'm going to be watching, and I'm not at all biased. <laughs> no, of course not, Harry. Aww. Of course not. One, one pays my wages, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> one that pays the wages, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Watch which the advertising, the one that also needs to pay my wages as well. So. Yeah, I wonder which one that one is. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and of course, lastly, in our in our entertainment section, before we go down the rabbit hole of TV wars, um, this week, actually, Friday night, reopening of theatres, Cameron McIntosh is putting on Les Mis 
Miserable in London. Mm. It's not the full musical. It's kind of the songs with a little bit of acting. It's all COVID secure and everything. So, of course, they did have this plan in place to open and they were going to have capacity capped but then the government threw a spanner in the works and said you can only have this many people in so they had to cancel some people's bookings actually my mum was affected believe it or not that's how i know about this um and then they put an extra week on of shows in february to make up for it so hopefully there's not a third lockdown in february Ali. but again we'll have to see what happens i'm going to keep my mouth shut yeah i mean the um Panto Land at the Palladium, the London Palladium is on as well. So this Christmas. It's good news. Yeah, I've just singled out Cameron McIntosh because he's, he's such an incredible guy. Um, but yeah, theatres are back open. And of course, as you mentioned last week, nativity plays are back on as well, aren't they? So, yes. so lots, of, lots of good news this December. Absolutely. Wow, I think that kind of takes us to the end of another podcast harry so it does and a very long entertainment section sorry listeners but we hope that you we're trying to be positive and entertainment is positive so yeah good one though ali i'd say good one covered a lot yeah definitely so well look have a great week listeners um i hope you stay safe out there and look forward to, to catching up with you again next week. In the meantime, if you've got any stories for us, you can find us on at Breakdown With Us. Yes, on all major social media platforms. And of course, you can email us. Um, we've actually got a few email addresses and I gave out a completely random one last week's podcast, if you noticed. Our email is actually breakdown at forthnow.co.uk, but we do have a couple of others that do work. So don't be alarmed if you emailed the other email address I gave out last week. That was a slip of the mind on my, my fault there. But yeah, we do love to hear from you. And to all our listeners in America especially, please do stay safe. Um, stay indoors where possible. And as we say in the UK, stay home, protect the NHS, save lives. Of course, we've moved away from that now in the UK, but I'm sure you could do as well, America. You absolutely can. Just protect your local healthcare because you don't have an NHS. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think, Ali, on that note, perhaps it's time to say goodbye. And yeah, we'll be back next Sunday, same time, same place. Bye-bye. Bye.